All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. How are you doing, Walter? Pretty good. I'm back in Montana um, and uh, excited to be at home for once. I've been everywhere else, you know. I'm not in a motel room this time, so... Yeah, you live that kind of, you know, a little bit of a bohemian, you know, kind of easy rider lifestyle. Yeah, uh, e easy rider, you know, with, with frequent flyer miles. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it always feels good to be here because I feel safe to comment on the world in, Mon in Montana in a way I don't. In New York, I feel like I'm in the news. Here, I feel like <laughs> I'm regarding the news from a safe distance. Right. Right, yeah. From a blast distance, you, you, you're. Yeah. You know, it's not radioactive, yeah. and boy, boy, are things radioactive this week. I mean, it's it, it's like we're in this continual nuclear shit cloud of nonsense that just keeps expanding. Like, I mean, the ripples from it. This week with this Tucker Carlson thing, it's like nothing. I I can't even, I can't even begin to explain how I how ridiculous the whole thing is, but. Boy, are people taking it seriously. Well, I mean, it's something that hasn't happened yet as of this broadcast, but about which everyone has an opinion. Um, so, you know, the pre-crime involved is massive. Uh, they're, they're sure that a crime is about to be committed. And also, also a lot of them are pretty sure that we can't handle it, that it's going to be a viral event we don't have proper immunity to because this hasn't happened yet now the commentary is about uh you know our vulnerability to what may happen and i'm not sure what the fear is exactly that that putin will say something so devastatingly viral that people will have no ability to resist it um no ability to check it uh uh, or is it just the mere fact that an American would, at time of war, even though it's not a war in any official sense, uh, go across, quote, enemy lines, talk to the other leader? I, I mean, we've done it before. Other journalists have interviewed Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, uh, you know, Putin himself numerous times. But this time it's different, apparently. Yeah, and and we're gonna we'll revisit some of those things um, in a moment. But just to quickly go through some of the reactions. So this is Bill Kristol, uh, you know, the, the celebrated neocon who helped us lie our way into a war in Iraq, and uh, you know has a, a gazillion different anti-truth crimes on his conscience, uh, saying perhaps we need a total and complete shutdown of Tucker Carlson re-entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what's going on. Um, then we have, let's see, uh, Bill Browder. Now, I know Bill Browder. I was in uh, Moscow at the same time as Bill Browder, and Bill Browder uh, is not a fan of Vladimir Putin's for probably some pretty good reasons, but he also got ridiculously rich thanks to another um, Russian autocrat, Boris Yeltsin, uh, because he was involved in a deal uh, to get Sibneft, uh, like, tra 
funds way below market and and basically just cash those in. Uh, so he he's grateful for one Russian Russian autocrat and very angry at another. Um, then then there is this, which is just amazing. This is um, Ann Applebaum. Now we can talk about what exactly Ann Applebaum is. Uh, she's something between a journalist and a, a deeply connected <laughs> person, but she does do journalism. So we'll, we'll, we'll just call her that. Um, but she writes this piece, the American face of authoritarian propaganda. This is before, as you said, as you know, as of this broadcast, nothing's happened yet for Viktor Orban and Vladimir Putin. Tucker Carlson fills a need. And this is how it starts. Axis Sally was the generic name for women with husky voices in good English who read German and Italian propaganda on the radio during World War II. I mean, he's Axis Sally now. Um, you know, this it hasn't even happened yet. And it, all, all it is is an interview. It, it's like a, a collective, you know, cry of for help or something. I, don't, I mean, what is this exactly? So... So people like Ann Applebaum and the others who are warning that we won't be able to withstand this interview as a free people always exempt themselves from the notion that uh, we can't tolerate this. Do you think they won't listen? Do you, th do you think they, they will shut, you know, put cotton wool in their ears? No, they're, they're sure that they can deal with it. They're just not sure that we can. Um, and to go through their, you know, reasonably through their objections to this thing is, I think, to destroy all their rationales. Um, uh, you should not hear the voice of your, let's call him, enemy. Is that the is that the new uh, axiom that to? Uh, I mean, Putin can be heard anywhere. He he. You know, if you want to dial up Putin's speeches on the internet, you can hear them. They haven't, you know, completely silenced them. Why is hearing? Although him... they would, they would like to, I think. But but well, well, they'd like to. But why is hearing him in the company of Tucker Carlson particularly dangerous? I I I don't know. I mean, I I, I honestly have no idea. Um, you know, there are people. Uh, was it Crystal who was talking about who? who who was the one who was saying that? Okay, here, yeah, Browder was saying that, um, you know, his work and his PR work in uh, in Moscow for Putin is going to cost uh, the world far more than seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars. Like, what is he, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, the P is what's the damage that they that that they're assessing? Matt, I, Matt, I, Matt, I genuinely and sincerely want to play devil's advocate here. I really want to understand what they are telling us. What's the danger? It seems to be, like I have said, that there is some lack of immunity in the West to the words of Putin, especially if those words are uttered in the presence of an American journalist. And Browder right there said he wishes people would stop calling Tucker a journalist because Journalists are object. Well, first of all, that's not true. Um, journalists are all kinds of things. Some pretend to objectivity, and others are not. I don't. Um, uh, but but 
I would think that it would be better to have Putin asked questions and then, you know, uh, those questions should be followed up than it is to just, you know, show a speech of his in which everybody's clapping. I mean, uh, like I say, I, I, I imagine that Tucker Carlson will, uh, will press this person to some extent. I don't think he went all that way to just become a receptacle for propaganda. Uh, and I expect he'll, he'll get it, a get near full of propaganda. Why wouldn't he? We get it from our leaders. Uh, I'm sure Putin's very good at it as an ex-KGB agent. But we have the ability now with the World Wide Web and social media to check every one of his statements, to check them exhaustively. And they will be checked exhaustively by everyone from, you know, these misinformation councils to the average citizen. So are we not better armed for this than we've ever been in the past? Yeah, I don't understand. Right. You're, you're exactly right. Just to go back to a point you were making before. The the Ann Applebaums of the world, they seem perfectly comfortable with their ability to handle this information um, without the intervention of, you know, I don't know, anti-disinformationists or, uh, you know, Google deranking the interviewer or whatever it is. Like, they, they don't want to have to fight to see it. I think they want to be able to access it just like everybody else. But the, there's this mystical other person out there for whom this is extremely dangerous. And, you know, Tucker may very well press uh, Putin on a few things. Uh, Putin is also, for anyone who's watched him, he's so um, used to being not challenged that he will say the incautious thing, uh, on, you know, more than occasionally. He says things that are nuts uh, sometimes or, or um, show a side of him that is, you know, maybe not calculated. Uh, he, he'll say things that are very, uh, you know, viral and quotable. I mean, I remember when I was there, he was, he was talking about how uh, we're, we're going to go whack Chechens in the outhouse. Um, you know, he was using like a mobster term. He has that tendency to slide in and out of cautious, cautiousness. So any interview with him can be interesting, um, just from an informational standpoint. Why wouldn't you want to get this? Even people don't, who don't like him, uh, and you know there are lots of reasons not to like Vladimir Putin, they should be interested in this at this moment. But he's probably also going to get some digs in um, at the United States, and there are probably going to be some that will be circulated by people here in, in the US. And what's, what are we worried about there? What, I mean, they should be asking themselves, why would that resonate? Why would something Vladimir Putin says resonate in America? And I think the reason is because people are tired of being told what they can and cannot listen to. Well, the fact is that if they're worried that we don't have immunity to his propaganda, it's their fault. The reason that we don't have immunity, possibly, the reason he can sort of get past our censors and our, you know, vigilant inner guardians is that we haven't heard from him much. So we don't know who he is. And they've carefully constructed over the last couple of years uh, a, a picture of him, which he's inevitably going to um, 
going to frustrate, uh, if only because he's a human being and we haven't been treated to a portrait of one. So here is a uh, case study in the dangers of so completely sealing yourself off from the other side that when they do manage to speak, it's like hearing a voice from the cosmos. It, it, you're, you're not used to it. You don't know his tricks. You haven't uh, heard his tropes and his, you know, his uh, usual um, lines on things. So this will be the first time that a lot of Americans and young Americans particularly hear from Vladimir Putin. But, but it's, it's not, it's, but, it, mm -hmm. but it's not because, uh, and it's, but it's because we haven't allowed him to speak. So, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is a, a lesson to these people that, that, that uh, uh, you can't completely frame the situation in advance without leaving room for your apple cart to be upset rather easily. Right. And, and, and by suppressing him, because people haven't heard from him, there's that Streisand effect. There's that curiosity. It's the same yeah. thing. Like, you know, this, this is something that every people, Americans have reflexively understood, like forever, even, even back to, you know, the days of rock and roll, when your parents told you, you couldn't listen to it. That made you want to listen to it more. Um, who doesn't understand that, that principle? I mean, it's, it's, it's one well, of the it, basic principles of media. In Freudian psychology, also, it's called the return of the repressed. You, you repress a thought, an image, a desire so completely that when it comes around, it has the glamour and magic of something truly exotic. There's no reason why this should be such an exotic event. Right. They, I mean, they made it one. And now, they, and, now, and now they're absolutely terrified that having covered up Elvis from the hips down, we're going to see his hips and we won't be able to handle it, you know. Which is, it, it's exactly the perfect, I mean, I, I can't believe we're comparing Elvis to Putin, who's like the, the least Opposite rock and roll person I can think of. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I just can't think of anything, uh, you know any comparison that would be less natural in a, in a normal time, but you're, it's exactly the same thing the, the, you know, by, first of all, they, they're, they're creating this PR firestorm around him uh, in the media, current media landscape. If you just don't make a big deal about something, it just, it disappears instantly into the ether. People forget it in a second, but they've made sure that this is going to be, the most consequential interview of the year. And the reasons for that, they're, they're, they're mysterious for a number of reasons. Uh, among other things, he's been interviewed by other people. And also we have this long tradition in the United States of interviewing, you know, so-called hostile adversarial figures and this being a big boon for journalism. I mean, we, we can show some of the examples in a bit, but just to go back, I mean, from, the, you know, the famous 60 Minutes interview of the Ayatollah in the middle of the hostage crisis. Uh, I mean, th think about that. Think about American, an American journalist going to interview the Ayatollah while, while there are hostages 
sitting in, you know, in an Iranian embassy. This is crazy. It is nothing compared to this. Um, Brokaw interviewing uh, Gorbachev in the middle of the cold, at the peak of the Cold War in the Rambo era, right? Um, I don't know. What what other examples come to mind, Walter, for you? I mean, like, there, there are so many of these. Well, I mean, this isn't an interview, but the famous speech that Khrushchev gave to the United Nations, um, it, it, it didn't do him any favors. I mean, it's, it's rem- remembered as this sort of grotesque uh, expression of Soviet brutality and sort of stupidity and, uh, and poor, poor taste. Um, now, would we not allow Putin to address the United Nations? I'm not sure why. Maybe he's chosen not to recently. Uh, but um, in any case, uh, seeing our enemies has never, uh, that I can think of, caused us to run to the side of our enemies. I can't think of one example of it. Can yeah, you? I mean, the, no, I can't. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, I mean, we talked a little before the show, you know, the Hanoi Jane episode, right? And it's funny, there are people on the well, left. Well, t- t- Tucker's not going to wrap his legs around a, a, an <laughs> artillery piece. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're right. There are some people who are comparing him to Hanoi Jane. People who, in many cases, I think liked Hanoi Jane back when and then bought her workout video later, but now are, you know, retconning the whole thing to make it seem like all of America hated Hanoi Jane. Well, there were many people in the in the salons of the Upper West Side and so you know and Santa Monica and so on who continue to think of that as some kind of wonderful uh, crossing of of a demilitarized zone in order to you know see the enemy. But this isn't Hanoi Jane. This isn't Axis Sally. This isn't Trump. I mean, this isn't tr- Tucker giving a speech. It's Tucker give, making an interview conducting an interview so i mean it's it's a silly comparison on its face and to see these people of such power and high education i mean and applebaum is educated if nothing else making these silly vapid comparisons in order to sort of prejudice us against what might happen and and now matt i'm really wondering when it does happen what will be its path through the American media. You know, they well, won't even show, uh, MSNBC won't even show Trump's speeches. I know. Right? I know. So what and are they, they going to do with this one? They won't, they won't link to, to core materials. Like if, if there's any kind of study that shows, you know, uh, or, or report that runs contrary to any kind of narrative, um, they make you look it up. Uh, they, they don't, you know, you have to, you, you can only read the contextualized version um, of news now. And I, they don't want you to go to, go to primary sources really for anything. Uh, for well, remember, you, remember when Chris Cuomo said it was okay for him and his colleagues at CNN to, to read the WikiLeaks um, emails in 2000, but not for us. In fact, it might even be illegal. Wonder right. if they're gonna, I wonder if they're going to tell us in some cases that it might not be legal for us to watch this interview. 
I mean, um, who knows? It might might not even by the time this show comes out, it might not be legal. I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, think, think of the crazy stuff that's happened just in the time since we've been doing this show. I mean, the the idea that you can go in and prevent look, you, you can't see Russian media now. Like if you if you go if you go online and try to look up um, any Russian news it's a real hassle to you know even get a secondhand version of a reprint of, of anything um and you know they, they we have europe cutting off rt uh and sputnik and it, it's like we're we we've we've done the same thing that the soviets did with us which is create this aura of mystique and uh, you know, inaccessibility around this foreign news carrier. Just let them do it. Like, who, who can't? It's not going to change the minds of, of ordinary Americans unless you happen to be so out of touch with what's going on with people that you're, you're afraid of your own ability to convince well, people. Well, our propaganda has been so over the top that there are some tropes that will be destroyed by any interview in which Putin sits upright. For <laughs> example, true. for example, the notion that he's dying of cancer or is using doubles to cover his, you know, um, feeble mind, that's going to be destroyed right away. Okay. Um, unless he has a very good double uh, and, and uses it this time. Uh, so, so that's out the window. Um, what other things have they said about Putin that won't survive? the merest interaction with Tucker Carlson. Well, um, if, if you mean, if he, if he starts getting into any of the background of the Ukraine situation, that's going to set off all kinds of alarm bells. You know, the, the, if he characterizes the, the Maidan revolution as a U.S. backed coup, if he talks about the cancellation of the, of the um, economic agreement, um, that the Russia and Ukraine ha had concluded, um, you know, that there was pressure applied to Ukraine to to back out of that deal. Uh, you know, people aren't going to like that. That's been kind of expunged from our history. We don't really read about that. This is all the stuff. This the kind of stuff that people people like John Mearsheimer talked about. Right. He will talk about those things, and he he will, he will use even more explicit terms. I'm sure about the buildup of forces in Ukraine and, and talk about how he feels about it. That might not be myth-busting, but it won't be presented in the same way that, you know, he, he won't come off as this Hitlerian, uh, just brainless aggressor. Because but, Hitler, by the way, did come across as one, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. He would have ranted and raved, and, you know, uh, we doubt that this might have even happened. But here's what I expect will happen, and you can maybe check this against an interview that may have already aired by the time we air. Putin is going to speak via Carlson to the American people, and he's going to speak in a uh, measured way, I expect. We're not enemies will be the basic message. And he will also say, you've been lied to about me and about my country. And mm -hmm. that, that's inevitable, right? 
Now, skilled KGB propagandist that he is, I'm not going to uh, weigh in on the truthfulness or you know veracity of anything that Putin might say, but I will tell you that the tone of it is going to be, hey, captive people, almost like he's speaking the way the Voice of America used to broadcast to you know exactly Eastern Europe. Hey, people, you don't get the full picture. I'm your, your leaders, your elites keep you from seeing it. And this is my chance to talk directly to you. And I'm going to do it. What a horrible position we put ourselves in that that should have even a slight ring of truth to it. Right. And it, it's going to for a lot of people. I mean, the, the, the Soviets made Radio Free Europe uh, in Voice of America. They gave, a, they gave those broadcasts incredible power by refusing to acknowledge their existence or, or by frowning on uh, any public discussion of them. And we're doing exactly the same thing now with right. Vladimir Putin. And he has been very clever in exploiting this non I remember when Putin came up as a politician. I, I mean, Putin was the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg when I when I lived there uh, a million years ago. Mm -hmm. um, my friends used to cover his. Uh, he would he used to have to uh, um, fill in for the mayor for the mayor when the mayor Anatoly Sobchak wasn't there, and everybody used to hate him. They thought he was this uh, nebbishy, boring. Uh, guy who interfered with um who, who didn't give good answers so the press corps used to hate putin back in the day but when he ascended to the national scene he was kind of like a remarkable villainous character i mean one of his first big public uh deals was the airing of a sex tape uh involving a pr the prosecutor who was going after boris yeltsin uh who, this guy who was cavorting with prostitutes and he came across as this very scary um you know very hardcore uh tough guy kind of like a almost like a an alter ego to yeltsin who was a bumbling you know comical drunk but he's managed to transform himself since that time since that initial introduction into a kind of a very canny media operator who is taking advantage of all all of the weaknesses of American media? He he's, he is very attentive to what we say on the air because that was once his job as a KGB agent in, in East Germany was monitoring how we talk to ourselves, and he's doing the same thing now. It's just, right. and we've made it easy for him. Well, it, here's an irony for you, Matt. We just mentioned the Voice of America, which was our State Department's way of penetrating the Iron Curtain with uh, facts that we believe were being withheld from those populations. Who is the director of the Voice of America toward the end of the Cold War? Tucker Carlson's father. Oh, really? I didn't know. That's right. I, I, That's right. I, I, yeah. I've got it in front of me. It's very checkable. Dick Carlson, American diplomat. Director of the Voice of America from 1986 to 1991. So to take the 
Tucker Carlson side of the equation and move over from Putin for a sec. He is in, you know, classic edible edible fashion. (laughs) I'm not going to get too personal, Matt, but your father's a journalist. Uh, Sure. Tucker's father was someone who broadcast to captive people. Mm -hmm. Now here the son is doing his version of that, only the, 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 the broadcast signal is being reversed and coming back to America. Um, That's the novel- really interesting. Yeah, yeah, the novelist in me can't resist that point. Um, and and I, I, I know Tucker Carlson a little bit, and I doubt very much that it's lost on him. Um, he's, he, he today came out with a short uh, four-minute video um, justifying the interview uh, on Twitter. And uh, he basically said what we might have said to Eastern Europeans. You're being lied to. Your media is, is holding you hostage and keeping you in the dark. Uh, I'm doing this not to convince you of anything, but simply to penetrate that, that veil. Yeah, he, he he's at least in his rationale for this interview. He's acting very much like a Cold War American would have acted toward an Eastern European audience. And isn't it isn't it ironic that this is being broadcast to America by an American from you know behind the former Iron Curtain? I mean. This would have much less resonance and drama if if the interview were taking place in the United States. Uh, true, this true. idea, this idea that you know you have to go all the way o- over to some other place where you're not, um, you know, being set upon by 19 different security agencies who are scanning everything you do constantly to broadcast some kind of unfettered truth through a bullhorn back in the direction of your home country. I mean, it it does have that kind of uh, feel of a diaspora broadcast uh, that 